0: revolutionary talk for revolutionary times promoting peace liberty and prosperity around the clock liberty Talk.fm.
1: Here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on Elo. Good! Let's get it started. Ha. Let's get it started in here. Let's
2: get it started. Ha. Let's get it started in right, so, here. Let's get it started. Let's get it started in here. We've been in the same room and... Nine months almost, probably a little bit longer than that. Um, it's crazy to be back in Chicago. It's freaking cold. Uh, it's Thanksgiving. Obviously, we record here on Thursdays. Me and Xander are full to the brim, so if any belches or any noises that sound bodily come out, don't be surprised. That's just kind of how it works here on a great Thanksgiving in November. Um, great day. Started off with a nice, nice puking rally. Had to get to a football game, as I, of course, am the MVP and star player of these Turkey Bowls each year. I finished with six touchdown passes and two rushing of my own to capture the win at the McCannual Turkey Bowl. So if you're curious about Daily Fantasy, I was definitely the pick today. I outperformed Dak Prescott as well as Mitch Trubinsky, who was on the bench, so Chase Daniels.
0: Trubisky,
2: Yeah, so still not going to pronounce his name right, as he is a Chicago Bear and isn't deserving of it. Xander, I wanted you to get the first crack at today's show, because I love you and I'm thankful for you being my partner. And uh, talk about James Paxton of the Yankees.
0: Yeah, this was an interesting move. Um, The Yankees, I thought, you know, out of all the teams out there, they're a couple moves away, I think, from being, you know, right there. You look at a couple years ago, they went to the ALCS. Um, Kind of a a disappointing end to the season this year, but... They're they're very close as a team. You know they got Tanaka. They have a you know certified ace in Luis Severino, um, and James pa- Paxton is interesting. I don't think he's a top flight starter, but they're not. I don't think they need him to be with Severino there right now. Um, what they do need him to do is stay healthy. Give him you know twenty five thirty starts a year, um, and hopefully you know they'll be able to make some noise in the playoffs. I know CC signed on for one more year. But this team can definitely make some noise. It's going to be tough, you know, with the defending champions in your own division. But, you know, I could see this Yankees team
2: winning, you know, 100, 105 games next year. What do you think, Roz? Um, Absolutely. Like you said, pitching was going to be the focal point, and we've got a lot of Astro pitchers who still are probably on the move, so I don't think they're done yet. I know is going to be on his last year, so he's got to give everything he's got. I'm hoping Luis Severino performs the way he did at the beginning of the season and most of the way through the season. I don't think he had that great of a playoff performance. But, yeah, this team, if Tanaka starts firing, they, they need the pitching, and it looks like they're getting it. They have a very good bullpen, and their batters speak for themselves, and who knows, they might still add Manny Machado. To this lineup, so the Yankees definitely a very scary team going forward,
0: yeah. And they've got you know, they've got some great pieces already, and a lot of great young pieces. You look at Gleyber Torres, um, Miguel Anduhart. I mean, this, this team is, I think, set up to make you know, a pretty big run for the next five or six years. Um, but you know, you said like that bullpen, um, a lot of big names. I think they underperformed a little bit this year, but I mean, you look at Chapman, Batansas, um, you know. They got a couple other guys in there, too. If they had Andrew Miller, I think it would be a completely different uh, story with how the league's gone in the past few years. But, yeah, we got a lot of free agents out there. Um, be interesting to see, you know, what deals come out for Harper and Machado. Um, wouldn't be surprised if either of those guys is wearing pinstripes before the end of the, uh, of the offseason. But um, got a lot of time. It's only Thanksgiving. Uh, pitchers and catchers don't report,
2: I think, for another three or four months. Um, so we got a lot of news coming your way on that front. Give me the landing spots for Harper and Machado, especially after the Johnny Hustle comments by Machado. Mm, interesting. You know, I think maybe that, that might have scared a team or two away, but
0: I think you'd look at Manny Machado, um, just like an otherworldly talent, you know, when it comes you know, power, average, just the way he's able to play, um, you know, whether it's shortstop or third base. Um, like I said, I think two destinations are possibly the Yankees, um, I think the Cubs. I can see either of those guys ending up. I think they're going to go to a big market, Um, but I think Bryce Harper. I could see him maybe ending up in Philadelphia too. Uh, They got a very young, great team around there, and I think Kapler. You know, forget what he did the first week of the season. The Phillies had a very, I think, successful year, second place in the division. Um, So they're looking for a big name, a big, uh, a big guy to sign. Harper would be that guy. So those are a couple teams I'm looking out for. Um, You know, maybe we'll end up with a huge surprise near the end but you know I think Harper um I think there's a chance he might stay with Washington too uh we'll see what happens though uh I think he might be looking for a change but you know we'll find out eventually
2: I'm still with the hopes that the Cubs are playing possum here, and I hope they do go after Bryce Harper. I'm also hoping they do go after one of the Astros pitchers to add to the rotation. That wasn't so great towards the end. I'm also looking to maybe have an Andrew Miller or some relief pitcher join the Cubs. They'll help down the stretch. We didn't have a true closer with the injury-prone Moro. Pedro Strop, who's really better as a setup man, um, it'll be tough, but I hope the Cubs really do move forward with some great acquisitions. Um, but let's let's get back into my world for a second. We're gonna do a little college basketball now. Duke having the big loss this week to Gonzaga. They had a roaring comeback, but fell just short 89-87 to lose the Maui Invitational. I'm not scared yet. I think Gonzaga did establish themselves as a good team, especially after their piss-poor performance against Iowa, or Illinois. I know they did win that game, but they did not cover the spread, so that's why it's piss-poor to me. Kansas having a great week this week, putting down Marquette by nine. They uh They have a matchup against Tennessee, who's a top-ranked team this year. I think that'll be interesting because I think – I like the clashes between conferences when you get the Big Twelve matchup versus the SEC because we get to start developing an understanding of which conferences are gonna be stronger moving forward. I know it's really early in the season, so things can change. But typically, I'm one to believe that the SEC is a little bit weaker. I know Auburn definitely gave Duke a game, um, so that was really impressive on their front. Auburn is a very athletic big team that I think will make some noise. But I'm not set. I'm not sold on the SEC yet as a whole. I think they've got a lot of teams that are ranked high and could use some challenges to see if they're worthy of those rankings. Down the list we go, we have Virginia, who just put a a nice win out. They beat Dayton by seven. I took Virginia minus 13.5 today. It was not great. I did not cover that, but it was good to see Anthony Grant, a guy who we've had here on the sporting edge, really show out. And uh, They only lost by seven, but kept it a close game the entire way. Tennessee, I mentioned, is going to play Kansas. Nevada just keeps running through. Beating undefeated Tulsa here on Thursday at Thanksgiving. North Carolina in a tough one, losing right now to Texas. This would be a big loss and a big win for Texas. I think Texas is trying to reestablish themselves as a good program. Auburn, we just talked about, they beat Arizona very convincingly, beat Xavier very convincingly, and uh, just had a tough six point loss at Duke, a game they were very much in. Michigan gets Chattanooga this week, not a whole lot. They've been winning the games they need to win. And Kentucky having, I think for me, a tough go of things. They're not putting teams away and they're letting teams score a lot. I think Kentucky is the recipe of a team that thinks they can score but will struggle against other offenses.
0: Yeah, and Kentucky, you know, I think they're interesting. They're always a pretty young team. You look at um, one of the better recruiters in college basketball and Coach Calipari. So I think they're a team that's going to figure it out. Um, down the stretch, and I think they're always a favorite to get off to. You know, Maybe a little bit of a slower start um, than really find their groove near the end of the year. Um, I think it was maybe two or three years ago where they came in as an eight seed and then made it to the Final Four. I think that was 2016. Um, so I'm not worried about them yet, but yeah, that Duke-Gonzaga game was awesome. Um, Duke coming all the way back, and then R.J. Barrett getting, getting stuffed on three consecutive possessions down the down the stretch. It was an awesome game. I think it's actually good for Duke. They lost a game, Um, you know. I think takes away a little bit of the hype and uh, kind of brings them back down to earth a little bit. So we'll see how they respond. But yeah, Gonzaga should be taking over. I think that top spot um, in the nation. You know, you could make an argument for Kansas as well. But um, you know, rounding out that top five, Virginia, Tennessee, a a couple names that haven't really been up there. Tennessee, Nevada, um, and then I think Auburn uh, played a pretty good game against Duke. So I think they're going to be a team to watch out for down the stretch as well. But that is all the time we have here for the Sporting Edge, everybody. If you missed the show, you know where to find us libertytalk.fm and amfm247.com.
2: What's up? What's up, everybody? We are back for a glorious second segment. I've let some of the turkey digest in me. We are getting into the college football universe now. We're going to do a quick recap. I want to I wanna talk about this Alabama staying tied at half against Citadel. I thought that was one hell of a showing by Citadel. Am I am I far off or is that something something you agree with? Yeah, it was interesting. Um I
0: never imagined they'd be tied at half. I'm not like not the most surprising thing I've ever seen. Um I didn't take Citadel with the points, but I said if I were gonna make a bet, I would have done that. Um Alabama I think they were favored, was it by fifty one and a half, something like right. that? Um but yeah, you know, they really turned it on in the second half. And at this point in the season, Alabama of Citadel, it's a meaningless game. I mean, we got so many great games coming up this week. Um, but looking around, uh, the rest of the landscape, Roz, very, very huge win by Notre Dame. Um, real tough game against Syracuse that I think earlier in the year on their schedule, they'd have probably thought it would have been a cupcake. Um, and they sure made it look that way, winning 36-3 to um, at home, kind of staking their claim uh for that spot in the college football playoff I mean they they look pretty
2: unstoppable against Syracuse I just want to put out there that you said that would be the changing of the tides, the changing of the top four you thought Syracuse was gonna come in there and deliver it to Notre Dame when in the opposite effect Notre Dame took it to Syracuse giving them all they had yeah I did I was wrong um Notre Dame (laughs) yeah love to hear a man
0: admit when he's wrong um but yeah, so that that's a great game. And Roz, you brought up last week, and I kind of I kind of papood, um, you know, kind of the uh, the notion that Alabama might not make the playoffs if they lose to Georgia in the SEC championship game. But kind of looking at the standings right now, how they shake up. I mean, Clemson, Notre Dame, go undefeated, and you've got Michigan winning the Big Ten against Ohio State. Um, It's going to be real tough to fit Alabama in there if Georgia beats them straight up for the SEC championship game. Uh, So I'm I'm going to have to agree with you on that, that Alabama could be in a little bit of trouble, or they not to win out at this point?
2: It's just what have you done for me lately is usually what the committee does, and I think it's unfair if that is to be. I think Alabama didn't play the hardest schedule in the entire world. I mean, they have a tough matchup against Auburn. You know how those games go. I know they're 24-point favorites, but... Anything can happen to this Alabama team. And Georgia, with one loss, I know that a win there will give them the opportunity to be in the playoffs. It's just tough with the teams that are following them up. I don't think Washington State has a legitimate chance. I don't care what anybody thinks. The Pac-12 doesn't have any Real strength, and especially in their schedule, so I don't think Washington State is an actual runner. I think it's interesting that Ohio State is down all the way to 10, actually dropping a spot. They should have lost that game to Maryland, I think a game we should definitely talk about. Uh, Ohio State, far from what they used to be, their defense looks atrocious. I know Haskins had himself a decent game against Maryland, but that's going to happen when you go back and forth in an overtime game and score 52 points. UCF hopping Ohio State for the first time in the rankings in their undefeated stretch. UCF looks interesting. They are sitting at eight, and we've talked before about a six-team playoff. And I think if there were a six-team playoff, I think UCF would be an absolute lock this year. But obviously we play in the world where there's only four locked teams. I think Oklahoma has a shot. West Virginia doesn't look to be have much of a shot anymore after losing to Oklahoma State, a team that has just been there with every Big 12 team. I mean, they took Oklahoma, Texas, West Virginia now all the way to the end of the game, and they finally got that win against West Virginia. LSU, two-loss team, doesn't seem very in it. I think it's going to be between Oklahoma and either of these two Big Ten teams. Although I'd like to know, do you think there's a chance even if Ohio State wins the Big Ten championship and beats Michigan, is there a chance they still are held out of the postseason?
0: Yeah, I think there's definitely a chance. Um, <clears throat> so looking at, I think the you know the two teams with the best chance of going undefeated at this moment, probably Clemson and Notre Dame. Um, Alabama's probably going to have a pretty tough game in the SEC championship game. But, you know, you look at Ohio, Ohio State, while they are 10-1, they just they haven't really looked that great this year. And like you mentioned, Roz, 52-51 to versus Maryland, that was, a, that was a very scary game if you're an Ohio State fan. Um, almost ended the season a week early. I mean, I think it will come to an end versus Michigan this week. I think Michigan's superior football team. But... You know, Ohio State just hasn't looked very good, and I think UCF definitely should have jumped them in the rankings, Um, just dismantled a top 25 ranked Cincinnati team. So now UCF's at number 8, and like you mentioned, Oklahoma State just has a flair for showing up in the big games. Um, Remember the game against Oklahoma recently, um, took down West Virginia this past week, and Oklahoma... A pretty good showing by Kansas there, putting up 40 points. I don't think they've done that uh, in the past decade. And interesting news coming out of Kansas. Hired Les Miles, ex-coach out of LSU. Maybe he can knock that team out of obscurity. It's been a long time since Kansas has had a good football team. Um, and kind of rounding out the rest of the landscape, Roz. We had Texas uh, beating Iowa State 24-10. to Texas has had a great year this year. I mean, I know they're 8-3. and three. They're not playoff bound, but... Um, I think this
2: is a team to look out for with Tom Herman at the helm the next couple of years. Right. I think they can only move forward, and I hope they don't. Shorten the leash on Herman. I mean, I think you have to give a coach at least five years, especially when you think he has the caliber that Herman has. Not a whole lot left for me in college football. When you're kind of out of the playoff race and you're down the list of the AP Top 25, it's not very crucial what happens in your games. I do want to point out Northwestern sports right now. Basketball and football just learned how to win. We grew up in a a state and in a city where college sports kind of was the back burner to the Bulls, the Bears, the Cubs, and all the other programs we have here. But Northwestern's like, hey, we need some supporters. How about we make this a college town? And Northwestern is doing their absolute darnest to do that. They're 7-4. and four. They're headed to the Big Ten championship game against either Michigan or Ohio State. I'd love to see them pull that win off. I mean, shake up the landscape, why don't you? I mean, UCF will definitely be rooting for that. But their basketball team as well, we didn't really cover that in the first segment, but they're going to be hopping up in the top 25 here shortly. Um, Northwestern, though, that's sitting at a pretty 20. I like seeing where they're at. Xander, let's start breaking it down. Let's start going into some of the games we've got coming up this week because it is rivalry week. I love that college does it this way. It's actually one of the most fun things you can see. We'll start with Oklahoma-West Virginia, which loses a little bit of luster after West Virginia's loss. I thought this would be a really good example of a potential playoff game. Um, But with West Virginia's loss, I think it's over. Oklahoma is a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I don't know which way you're leaning. I'll give my pick, but I want you to be the one to start us off. Yeah, this is an interesting game um, and
0: could have been even better if West Virginia could have hold on, held on against Oklahoma State last week. Um, I do like Oklahoma in this game. I think this is going to be a one-score game, but I think Oklahoma wins it by seven. Uh, i you know, It's hard to say that any game in the Big 12 won't be a shootout because it just seems like they, they leave the defensive playbooks at home when they play each other, which is awesome uh, if you like points. And I do like points. I think Kyler Murray has a big game, five touchdowns this week. Um, I think Oklahoma takes it 42-35 and keeps, uh,
2: keeps the playoff hopes alive against a pretty, a pretty darn good West Virginia team. Well, it wouldn't be the sporting edge if we didn't disagree with one another. And like I said, I'm in the same studio, so I'm a smack away from hitting Xander if I needed to. Um, I'm going West Virginia plus three and a half here. They're at home. You know how they've been playing at home this year. They're a very dynamic team there, and they're going to go for the win. What else do they have to lose at this point? If we have to see another two-point conversion to beat them as time expires, they're not going to fail like Oklahoma State did. So I'm going to go West Virginia here, love them at home, and I think they end the Big 12's opportunity of making the playoffs this year and starts the beginning of the shakeup that I believe is going to be nuts over the next three weeks of college football.
0: Yeah, so let's uh, take a look around the rest of the landscape. I, I kind of wish we could pick every game because, like, like you mentioned, Roz, rivalry week is super fun. You know, even even some teams that aren't ranked anymore. You know, it looks like some bad matchups. Um, it's always fun uh, when you pit these kinds of teams against each other. But our next big game, big uh, ranked matchup that we're looking at, Washington traveling to Washington State to take on the ten and one Cougars. Um, Cougars are two and a half point favorite at home, and I, I think. You know for all you Washington fans out there this has been a disappointing year I think they were envisioning that this could be the year they got back to the college football playoff but I do think they play uh they play a little bit of an upset mode this week um, and I think they take this game straight up from the Cougars um, I'm a big believer in what Washington State and Mike leach has been doing this year but uh, I think Jake Browning uh, kind of shows us why he was in that Heisman conversation and uh takes this game so I think Washington wins in a close one but I think they take it down 30 to 27.
2: Going against Mike Leach, I think part of my take will officially have to ban you from ever being on their show. Side note, we not, haven't been invited yet, but we'd love to be invited. Washington State will be at home here. Gardner Minshew, who I don't know why it's not talked about, but this guy is definitely a Heisman candidate. I mean, you look at his stats, 4,325 yards, 36 touchdowns. I mean, this guy's been a monster, and all they do is throw the ball there in Washington State for Mike Leach. Um, you got the 8-16. versus 16. Like I said, Washington doesn't have a whole lot to play for, but I'm going to have to quickly go with Washington State in this one, minus 2.5. I love the small line at home. There's no way they blow it. They want to get the people excited. That's all the time we have for this segment, everybody. This is the Sporting Edge with Wits and Roz, and we'll be back with more college football after the break.
1: What's up, everybody? Bubba here. It's finally here. That will help you give you a better idea of what's going on in the market. All you need to do to get a hold of the Bubba report is go to the and sign up for the newsletter, or you can email me direct at Bubba at the Bubba Show.org. We want you to have this report because we've got over 150 years of experience talking about markets, getting ready for the trading, and puts you in the best position to have successful. So email me at Bubba at the Bubba to get a copy of your report or go right to the website, the Bubba Show.org. Make sure you get it. It's a must-have for every investor and trader. The Bubba Report.
2: What's up? What's up, everybody? We are back, and there's no better way to start a segment than talking about the game. And I understand all the people in the South who are married to their sisters and brothers are all about the Alabama-Auburn game, but here in the Midwest, we've got the game. Michigan-Ohio State, probably the most important game left on the calendar for NCAA before the playoffs, and it's in Columbus. And I know a lot of people go into this game. This line keeps shooting up a little bit for Michigan, made a whole move to one point higher. Um, I'm excited for this game. I'm hoping it's not a blowout. I have said week in and week out for the last three weeks that Michigan's going to blow out this Ohio State team. I have kind of gone back on that. Here's a shout out to Jared Rubin, who talked about this with me last night on Blackout Wednesday and mentioned to me that it is in Columbus, and at a rivalry game like this, you're going to see one Big Ten defense and two a kind of close matchup. Haskins, obviously, the leading passer of the two teams with 3,600 yards and 36 touchdowns, but how about Kar- or Karan Higdon? This guy, th- over a 1,000 yards this year, 10-plus touchdowns, He's going to run all over Ohio State, in my opinion, and I think that's what they're going to need to do. They're going to need to be able to control the clock and control the ball. I'm a big fan of Michigan in this game. They are now up to minus four and a half. That's so hard for me to pick, but I just have not been impressed with Ohio State's performance. I'm going to go Michigan, and I would like for you to kind of stir the pot here. I'd like you to give me some devil's advocate, or if you want to agree, agree, but I think we need to really focus on this game here because it's massive. Yeah, probably the
0: biggest game that these two teams have played against each other in a in a long time. You look at Michigan's lost 13 out of the last 14 meetings um, in this rivalry, but it just seems like things are trending in the right direction for Michigan. Um, You know, Jim Harbaugh's 10 year as a Wolverine so far. You know, the knock on him that is that he hasn't been able to win the big game, Um, and I think he finally takes down. Ohio State and Urban Meyer in this one. Like you mentioned, Roz, four and a half. That's a tough number, especially on the road. You know, this will be the first time, um, you know, since 2011 that the Buckeyes are going to be an underdog at home. Um, The last time that happened, they were playing against Wisconsin, and Ohio State actually won that game. But, you know, Jim Harbaugh, fourth year at Michigan, I think they're ready to take this to the next level. I think a lot of people in college football want to see. The Michigan Wolverines in the college football playoff. Um, And I think, you know, Dwayne Haskins, I think he's had a great year for Ohio State. Definitely a dark horse candidate for the Heisman, but I think this Michigan defense is too good. And I think they're going to show, you know, why they're the third ranked or fourth ranked team in the nation on Saturday. Um, Ohio State, I think their run comes to an end. And uh, that sets up, you know, Michigan Northwestern uh, Big Ten showdown.
2: I don't think you're going to want to get into this. I think you're going to be on the side that it's not even close. Are either of these coaches coaching for their jobs? I've seen a lot of press, obviously, at the beginning of the year with Harbaugh. I've seen a lot of press with Urban Meyer down the stretch here with the lack of performance. Obviously, if a team loses here, they'll finish with two losses on the season, and it's odd to see somebody go 10-2 and two and be fired. Which coach do you think is more at risk if they lose this game of losing their job? I think it's 100% Jim Harbaugh.
0: Urban Meyer has won a national championship with Ohio State. He's done really well so far. I think, you know, there's definitely more issues with Urban Meyer off the field than on it. So I think, you know, Jim Harbaugh's seat is definitely hotter here because although, you know, this Michigan team has kind of been brought back to relevancy the past few years, you know, the real story is that they haven't won big games, had a little bit of a regression last year after those two 10 win seasons. So, you know, it makes me. Very reasonable that, you know, Jim Harbaugh could be, I think, coaching a little bit for his job here. Um, but I don't think the seats are that hot, no matter if Michigan loses or not. You know, they've had a great year, and I think they'll continue to build. I think, you know, the longer the program's under Harbaugh, I think it will it will continue to get better. But, I mean, you got to look at a guy who hasn't really won many big games and think, you know, this is a chance here with our team fighting for its playoff life that this would be a great game to win.
2: Well, I'm on Michigan. I think this is where they – capitalized and established their spot in the college football playoffs. That's all we've got for Michigan Ohio State, but we're going to go to the next big one, Auburn, Alabama. Obviously, Auburn having a down year, 3-4 in the SEC, 7-4 overall. They're underdogs by 24 points. There was a crazy thing I noticed while I was looking up this game. Jerry Judy for Alabama, the leading receiver, has 51 receptions for over 1,000 yards, meaning he's averaging over 20 yards a catch. It's absurd through this point of the season. He has 10 touchdowns. Alabama, this is a huge line again. I know they didn't cover the Citadel one, and I know this is a rivalry game, but there's something to it where even when they play a close start to a game, or if not, they usually run up the score at the beginning, Alabama pulls away and finds a way to just to beat down their opponents. I like the 24 points. I think Alabama's going to be able to cover this. Like I said, Auburn having a down year. I know they have a decent defense. I know that this is an Auburn-Alabama matchup, but I could see Alabama winning this one by 31 points without without losing a breath.
0: Yeah, I could see that too, but I don't think it's going to happen on Saturday. This will be the sixth time Alabama will face Auburn undefeated during the Nick Saban era. Um, Five of those times, they've been ranked number one. Two times, the Tigers have been able to win. Um, 2013, the kick six, one of the greatest finishes one of the greatest games ever. And last season, they won 26-14. to 14. Um, So I totally agree with you, Roz, that Alabama, a game, can change within five minutes. I mean, you look at how explosive both sides of the ball, offense, defense. I mean, this is a team that can not only stop you and, and take away the ball, but, I mean, Tua has been unbelievable this year. They can basically score at will. But I do like Auburn in this game. I think, you know, Alabama was kind of looking a little bit ahead um, and might might even be looking ahead this week you know, the playoffs and the SEC championship game. But Auburn's not a slouch team. I think they're going to give them a game. Um, so I think this game falls in 17-point range.
2: Well, we've covered two of the teams we believe to be in the playoffs. Clemson, easy game against South Carolina, who's 6-4. and four. South Carolina has been out of relevancy since Davion Clowney put that hit on the Michigan player. I think Clemson is going to win it with ease. They're twenty-six point favorites. We don't even have to go into that. LSU, Texas A&M, again, sad. The LSU two-loss team. I just don't see them. I mean, they are ahead of. This is actually they are ahead of Ohio State, Xander. If LSU wins out, obviously they don't get to play in the SEC championship game. But would Ohio State be able to hop LSU? Uh one a two-loss Ohio State team or one-loss
0: one, Ohio, one Ohio State team? Um, I think they would. I'm trying to think who Ohio Ohio, Ohio State lost to Purdue. That's a pretty bad loss. LSU has had a really tough schedule this year. But, you know, if Ohio State were to win the Big Ten, I think they would be able to hop over LSU. Um, Like you mentioned, Roz, we have a couple other big games to cover here. Notre Dame traveling to USC. Notre Dame is an 11-point favorite on the road. Um, And I know you got some strong feelings about this one, Roz. Is Notre Dame going to continue that playoff push? Or do the the Trojans have a little upset magic in store this week?
2: I've had fun with the Trojans this year. Haven't been really picking their good side. Haven't been picking their bad sides. Um, Been to a game. I like that this is going to be home for USC. It's going to be loud at the Memorial Coliseum. Notre Dame's going to win this one, I don't think, by 11. I think this is a game that they're going to need to drive at the end of the game. To put it away, they might be up three, but they'll be given one more opportunity to go up six, ten points. I think USC is close. I really do think this JT Daniels guy, who's 18 years old still, is going to be a prolific quarterback in the NCAA. He has only 13 touchdowns, but leads both teams with passing yards with 2,300. Um, I think he gives them a game. I know this is a sad five and six USC team, far from where they were. When we were growing up as an elite team, I think Notre Dame does struggle early. I think that they'd hold on and win this game, but the spread's a little high for me, so I'd probably have to go USC plus 11 here. I think it'll be fun, rowdy, and loud for this matchup in the Coliseum.
0: Yeah, not a great spread in this one. I don't really love either team, Um, but I I think Notre Dame is is a far superior team. And I think there's a good chance that they run away with this game. Um, you know, you mentioned JT Daniels has been playing some great football this year as a young guy out there um, in USC, but I think Notre Dame's going to be too much in this one. And although USC, USC might keep it clo- close for a little bit. Um, I think Notre Dame's got, got a playoff bound on their minds. And I think they're going to take this game by 20 plus points. Um, USC just, not very good. Not doing it, not getting it done this year uh, as they have done for basically the past seven or eight years after Matt Leinart and Reggie Bush left. Um, but I think we got one more game to cover here, Roz, or anything else that you're looking at here in uh, Week 12 in college football?
2: I don't have any games, but I know that you are a fan of the Boise State-Utah State game, one for the ages. you got two Mormon-looking teams going against each other. Uh, Utah State obviously having a great year at 10-1. and 1. I think Utah finds it tough going on the blue field on the road. This is just one of those games where they're going to end up losing because home field advantage matters here down the stretch. I like Boise State in this game, but give me your take on this Mormon matchup. <laughs> I like Boise State in this one, too. I think Brett Ripien,
0: um, you look at his stat line this year, over 3,200 yards and 28 touchdowns. I think this is going to be a shootout. And you can kind of see the over-under is 67, so Vegas is expecting a pretty big um, big scoring affair here, but I like Boise State. And also, a little bonus game here, Texas A&M versus LSU. Um, I do like Texas A&M in this one. I think it's 7-4. and four. I think they've actually overachieved this year. They've had some great victories, and they've basically been in every game that they've played except the one against Alabama. Um, You know, they lost at the very end to Clemson. This is a very good team. I think we'll give Ed Orgeron a little bit of a surprise here on Saturday. Um, So I like Texas A&M to take down LSU um, as a three-point favorite at home. That's all the time we have here for the Sporting Edge, everybody. If you miss the show, you know where to find us, libertytalk.fm, amfm247.com. We'll be back after the break.
2: What's up, what's up, everybody? We're back for our last segment here in Chicago for me, but we'll be back, obviously, next week. We're going to finish up with a little NFL recap and as well as some NFL picks for us. We had some interesting games last week. We have a very wide-open NFC, just to be honest. I mean, you saw the tough, tough injury to Alex Smith, breaking his leg on the 33-year anniversary of Theisman injury, and Theismann was also at that game, a lot of spookiness in that but it allowed the Cowboys to open the door. Obviously, we'll get into what happened this week. But the Cowboys then beat the Atlanta Falcons, who are 4-6, and six, playing here also on Thursday night. And Matt Ryan puts up numbers, does not win games anymore at this point. I mean, it's ridiculous. Ezekiel Elliott tore apart the Falcons for 200-plus scrimmage yards. Julio Jones has been on a tear, three touchdowns in three weeks. I think he heard me loud and clear, and he's been proving his point that he is somebody to compete. And then you've got games like the Lions and Panthers, Lions winning 20-19 to Cam Newton injured on a drive. I don't think that was the reason they lost, but an incomplete pass on a two-point conversion is par- probably why they went down and unable to hold on to that victory. Cam Newton did throw for 357 yards and three touchdowns, but it was Matt Stafford who held it out. Putting the Panthers down, leaving this NFC wide open in terms of wild card, you're starting to see the top teams kind of move forward here. Um, which I just want to call you out. I don't even know if it's calling you out because you're always hot and cold on the Titans, but Andrew Luck put the absolute beatdown of the century. And not just luck, their defense, too, on the Tennessee Titans, winning 38-10. to 10. Marlon Mack, 61 yards and a touchdown. T.Y. Hilton, 9 receptions, 155 yards and 2 touchdowns. Colts showing us why the Titans aren't for real and why the Patriots maybe aren't that real either. Tough loss for them, but Tom Brady is getting older, and I say it every week. Maybe the Patriots aren't as good as we thought they were. Oh, man, it's funny. Whenever Brady has a
0: bad week, he's getting old. Um, People have been saying this, though, I think for the past five or six years. So until he's actually retired, um, I'm going to give the Patriots the benefit of the doubt. But kind of give him my recap on last week's action, um, and uh, you didn't really touch on it much, but a lot of of bad stuff going on in Green Bay right now. Um, Mike McCarthy, I think, definitely on the hot seat. Um, The Packers just... They just continually look lost every week. And with a guy like Aaron Rodgers under center, as good as he is, um, this Packers team needs to figure some stuff out because the Bears won again on Thanksgiving Day. They are now 8-3. and three. Uh, So the Packers, the division is slipping away very, very rapidly. They might have a shot at the wild card, but they need to figure some things out. Um, Cowboys had a pretty gross win against Atlanta last week, and they won on Thanksgiving Day too, so... Um, Dallas is kind of making a little bit of a run here. Uh, I think buying Jason Garrett, you know, another few months of job security, at least you mentioned my Titans. Um, some weeks they show up, some weeks they don't. And the Colts absolutely trounced them this past week. Uh, that's a sneaky division over there. Cause you've got the Colts at five and five, the Titans at five and five and the Houston Texans at seven and three. Um, the Jaguars are an afterthought. I think they're going to be moving on from Blake Bortles next year. Um, and I think a very very disappointing season so far, Roz, and you look at all the hype and all the hope that people had for the Jags. Um, it just seems like they're going to have to press the reset button after this year.
2: I mean, Ben Roethlisberger couldn't have done what Ben Roethlisberger does best against the Jaguars, and that's give them the ball time and time again, and they still pulled this one off 20-16. to 16. I couldn't believe that they won this game. Ben Roethlisberger, there's some something in the Jacksonville water that freaks him out. But he pulled this one out just to hush the haters. They're 7-2-1. The Steelers, to me, are going to run away with the AFC North, especially after the Bengals lost to the Ravens, sending them both to 5-5. Five five. we got to talk, obviously, two big statement games. One, the Saints, 48-7 over the Eagles. Drew Brees, unbelievably good. Impressive with 363 yards and four touchdowns. Mark Ingram ran the ball well. Traquan Smith coming up and making himself a name. 10 receptions, 157 yards and a touchdown. And they trounced last year's Super Bowl winners, the Eagles. Part of my take side of the best, they are no longer the defending champions to me. They have defended their championships so poorly. They look like they will not be even close to sniffing the playoffs. The Eagles, a fluke squad, just like the Trent Dilfer-led team in the 2000s. Nick Foles... Probably wishing that he was back under helm, but Carson Wentz has got to figure it out because this Eagles team looks atrocious. And then obviously we got to talk about arguably the greatest NFL game of all time with the Rams 54 to the Chiefs 51. We saw some unbelievable action, and we saw the emergence of Patrick (laughs) Mafarv.
0: That's a great name for him. Um, Yeah, I think you can make an argument that this might have been the best regular season game in NFL history Kind of like two heavyweight um, boxers going at it, just trading punches back and forth. So many lead changes, so many big plays, um, and kind of epitomize, like, these are the two probably best off, you know, two out of the top three best offenses in the NFL. Um, The weapons, the play calling, uh, the lack of defense also. But the game, yeah, I mean... The game there was a there was quite a few great defensive plays. You look at Aaron Donald, I think made his case that he is clearly the best defensive player in football with two strip sacks. Um, There's a couple pick sixes in there. Um, so there was there was quite a few good defensive plays, but I mean their overall defense was kind of lacking in this one. But I mean that's a that's a possible showdown, Roz of you know a possible Super Bowl matchup. Um, you look at the Saints, the Patriots, the Chargers. Um, Those are some of the top teams in the league right now. So I don't know what you thought, if anything about your mind changed about these two teams. Um, I thought the Rams were a little better going in, um, but I think the Chiefs and Rams are still in great spots. The Chiefs can figure out that pass rush a little more. Um, I think they could be even more dangerous going down the stretch.
2: Well, I just looked into the future through this game. Both of them really impressive. It'll be interesting to see the Rams taking on the Saints again, which most likely will be the case in the postseason. And then either of those matchups, Chiefs, Saints, Chiefs, Rams, will be one hell of a Super Bowl. But – Future-wise, this Rams team is going to be good for three years. And you say, why only three years? I mean, there's too much to pay on this team. You just said it best. Aaron Donald just got a massive contract and putting it to quick work. Honestly, looked impressive beyond belief, sacking and forcing fumbles on Patrick Mahomes, who turned the ball over five times. And I'll get to that future reference in a second, The or Pat Maffarve. But the Rams, they got to win it now, and they're looking to win it now. Jared Goff, I think, is the real deal. I think he went from a Jeff Fisher waste to a Sean McVay stud. Jeff Fisher couldn't have looked worse in this game. I mean, Jared Goff was beyond impressive, winning it on a 40-yard touchdown pass to Gerald Everett with a minute 49 to go. But then it was really... It could have been Goff winning it or it could have been Brett Favre losing it. And I keep saying Favre because Pat Mahomes, as I sat and watched that game, brought me back to so many nights in January, so many nights in December when Brett Favre had been playing a great game, coming down to the last drive, the guy who knew he could put the ball anywhere, but sometimes just was off, off the beaten path and through the interception – Mahomes threw all those Brett Favre picks. In fact, he did it on two back-to-back drives, trying to chuck it down the field. We know he has the arm strength like Favre. We know he has arm strength probably better than Favre. But, God, Mahomes really earned the name I've been giving him on this show. And if you want to talk future, you're talking one of the best quarterbacks to play the game. But Chiefs fans, you better be ready for the postseason because you're going to have some absolute heartbreak the way this kid plays. But you're going to have some absolute thrilling moments. Pat Maffarev is here to stay. Yeah, I think he's definitely here to stay.
0: Um, kind of coming down here at the end near Roz. Uh, so let's let's make a quick um, quick pick action. I'll give you three. Um, you give me your three, then we'll may, maybe look at a couple more. But I think this is redemption week for Cleveland. I think they beat the crap out of Cincinnati. A uh, lot of passion between, between that Hugh Jackson firing. Um, so I think they're going to come and stomp on the Bengals. I also like the Patriots. Comeback week. Gronk, two touchdowns. They're going to cover that 10-point spread. And I'm also taking my New York Giants on the road against the no-longer-defending Super Bowl champion Eagles because they just don't look like they belong in this league right now.
2: Completely agree. Obviously, I'm going to ride with my Packers, plus 3.5 on the road against Minnesota, a game we should have won earlier in the year. That's why we have a stupid tie in our record. I'm also going to go with the Colts, minus 7.5. I think Andrew Luck puts on another amazing show. And I like the Steelers going into Denver territory winning by more than three as they are three-point favorites. I think Groethlisberger bounces back from a poor performance, which couldn't be better when you have a poor performance and still win because you're going to come back and just blow the lights out of it. I like the game the Panthers were Seahawks a lot. I think that's going to be a very big game for the NFC. If the Seahawks win, that's going to put everybody back into contention. But that's all the time we have this week, everybody. It has been a pleasure being back in Chicago. I'm excited to go back to L.A. to the warm weather, but nothing beats being in the studio. Hope everybody has a great Thanksgiving and a great holiday week. And we'll catch you next week, everybody.
0: Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Promoting
1: peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm